You have a giant, like, chicken or turkey or whatever, and it's like... like, a pasta salad. Yeah, 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 like a whole plate of bread. Like, what are you... Amanda's like, that is the driest looking pasta I've ever seen. Welcome... To grapples to apples, the <laughs> podcast that talks about everything from professional wrestling to shades being absolutely robbed this weekend. <laughs> absolutely robbed. Thrill, do you have anything to say? Why so glum, chum? <laughs> I will get into it. But first, you are listening to us on SoundCloud.com slash grapples to apple. That's grapple, the number two. Apples, you don't like SoundCloud, you got Apple Podcasts, you got Google Play Music. Doesn't matter where you're listening, as long as you are listening. As I stated earlier, I'm one of your hosts, the very upset, (laughs) the very tense Mr. Sunglasses at Night himself, your boy, Shades, joined by my hetero life mate, social distancing as ever. The relatively indifferent, ill will the thrill, the poetarian, Shakespearean candidate, major English, slightly tickled and humored, whatever you need me to be, that's who I be, because baby, that's who I is. Mr. Thrill. Yes, sir. Oh, lordy lord, where do I start? We are doing a WWE Money in the Bank recap and review episode before 10 p.m. (laughs) Do you understand this? <laughs> if it wasn't for like other things going on in our lives and sound checks, we could have started at like nine thirty, nine forty-five. Absolutely, it's insane. And I'm I'm happy we didn't start right off of going off air for Money in the Bank because I would you you would have to hit that bleep button a lot. <laughs> Still very tricky. You know why? Because I have. The Grapples to Apples World Championship on my table over here, and I'm looking at it, and I... Okay, okay, hold let's, let's, come on, let's get to the show, let's start the show, and then you can keep venting. You know what? Ring that bell. (laughs) Alright, so as Shades mentioned, we're here to recap and review WWE Money in the Bank 2020, not live at all, from the Performance Center and WWE's headquarters in Connecticut. Uh, for the first time ever, the Grapples to Apples World Championship was on the line in terms of our predictions, so we're going to keep you guys posted, not with everyone's scores, but we'll start keeping, you know, we'll, we'll highlight some, some records as we're going match by match. Uh, show just wrapped up at, you know, before 10 at about 9.30 to be exact, so Shades, do you want to... Kick off with the kickoff match, or would you want me to do so? So they announced the kickoff match: Harvey versus <laughs> Cesaro. Uh, the only pre-show match. Uh, um, Thrill didn't put his predictions in for this, so uh, we had the advantage. Like I think you were the only person who didn't put their results in for the MVP uh, R-Truth match and this pre-show match. Yeah, so, so that was so the way we've always done it is predictions have to be in by the time the kickoff show starts. Once kickoff correct. starts, any predictions are locked no matter what. Now, because yeah. we put in our predictions while we're recording the show on Friday night, my brain was like, oh, Oh, well, I already put in my predictions. Too bad, so sad for me. Not thinking, hey, Jabroni, you can just add in predictions for two, these two matches. And so I'm starting off the night 0-2. Yeah. Um, actually, I wouldn't have even known about these matches unless our resident reporter, Manny Clash, who sent me his predictions via text message, says, hey, I have these uh, results for Jeff Hardy and... and I believe he chose our truth and I'm just like, hey man, those aren't even on the card. He's like, well, if you look at you look at the Googles, it is. So I'm like, ah, you know what? Screw it. I'll choose Jeff Hardy and MVP. Yeah. To cover my butt anyway. Mm-hmm. Um 
it, it's a match. Jeff Hardy, Cesaro. It's it's. I mean, there's no crowd there, so you can't really get the crowd into it. Right. Um, for me, the growing theme of this entire night up until the main event was, man, this feels pre-recorded AF. Right. I mean, I think this match was definitely, like you said, it's not for getting the crowd into it because there's no crowd to get into it. This was definitely just getting Jeff some more reps and getting Jeff in the eyes of the viewers more because he's back all of a sudden. Not all of a sudden, but like now that he's back, they were running video vignettes for him last week or two weeks ago. He made his in-ring return this week on SmackDown. And so this is just more of WWE going, hey, look, Jeff Hardy's back. Look, Jeff Hardy's back. Look, Jeff Hardy's back. Yeah, um, I don't care. I don't. I don't care that Jeff Hardy's back. I agree. Um, if this was, isn't it uh, wild how like in the early two thousands, this is baby shades circa nineteen ninety. Yeah, you know, uh, I'd be all over it. My God, Jeff Hardy's back! I'm doing the whole thing. I'm yep. swanton bombing off yep. my, you know, my steam or my yep. dresser or whatever. Yep, and I'm I'm living life. As a Jeff Hardy fan, yeah. Now you know, old shoulder shades is just over it. <laughs> I see Jeff Hardy for what he is—a one-trick pony. He rode. He, he's a one-trick pony who basically just rode Matt's coattails mm-hmm. into reinventing himself, and he didn't even reinvent himself. He was just Jeff Hardy, brother Nero, Matt. Yep reinvented himself not once mm-hmm. but twice more than twice matt hardy version one i'm talking about like actual successful uh reinvention hey v- v1 one. was pretty successful v1 did pretty well no I, i'm not saying he didn't i'm saying v1 was good that he reinvented himself that's his first reinvention right and then the broken matt hardy that okay. was a successful endeavor for him also um when he was doing the the serial killer type thing, wasn't successful. Sorry. When he was business Matt Hardy, wasn't successful. So, so at least I Matt Hardy, the at least Matt has the ability to try and change it up. You know, he creates new characters for himself. He does something different, which is why, like, I've always so. I mean, whatever. I was always a Hardy Boys fan when I was a kid, um, especially because I could get on board with their aesthetic and their whole thing. But I always gravitated more towards Matt. And it's funny because as you know, we get older and they both, one evolves and one's the other, you get to see who really was like the brains behind the Hardy Boys. Yeah. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. So that was the, that was the one pre-show match. Mm-hmm. And I actually took some notes for the pre-show because... <sighs> Man, we haven't done notes in a while. Yeah, I know. I had to take notes for this. Um, so my boy Peter Rosenberg was back on the pre-show. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Peter Rosenberg is, he's a uh, radio host on Hot 97 on Ero in the Morning, and he's also a co-host of the Michael K Show on ESPN Radio. Mm-hmm. Happy to see him still doing wrestling things, doing back-to-back pay-per-views, mind you. Mm-hmm. Dope. Scott Stanford, on the other hand, didn't know who this guy was, had to Google him. <laughs> Uh, apparently he's a seven-time Emmy-winning sports or news anchor, and I was just like, yeah. okay, um, get this jabroni off my TV. You really didn't know who Scott Stanford was? Didn't know who he was. Oh, wow. See, I always thought of him as like, um, I think he used to work for uh, CW, Pix11, whatever you want to call it, um, but I always thought of him as looking like a discount outlier. But anyway, moving on. And um, my second takeaway from the pre-show was when they have uh, Renee Young, uh, Booker T, and and John Bradshaw Layfield on uh, their you know webcams. Why does it look like Booker T is streaming off of a Nokia thirty three ten? Because he probably has an old school detachable webcam that you used to have to purchase as a separate attachment. Yeah, like, bro, you got the capital. Get a new webcam. 
He looks blotty. It looks terrible. His frame rates are just dropping. I'm like, come on, man. I guarantee you Booker only has that computer for this reason and this reason only. And, you know, surfing adult websites. (laughs) Yes, Shay. Suck. Sucker. (laughs) Can you dig it? Sucker! So yeah, that was the the pre-show. Uh, it was an hour long. Thank God they didn't start it at five. Uh, we get straight into the main card after that. Well, will the thrill? Please yes. tell us how we kicked off the main card. So the main show proper kicks off with the Fatal Four Way Tag Team Match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. We have defending champions the New Day going up against the Forgotten Sons, John Morrison and the Miz. Hey hey ho ho. And and Lucha 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 House Party. I mean, the match was fine enough. You know, the Lucha House Party, they're going to do their flippy stuff, so that adds a, an excitement element to it. And then you have Morrison, who can also do the flippy stuff, and Kofi, who can kind of sort of do flip stuff, not flippy stuff, just like stuff. He can jump. <laughs> he can do stuff. Um, so the match was fine, 12 minutes exact. Um... No surprise to me, the wrong team won, and the New Day went over. Yeah, um, there was a lot of moments where, like, false finishes happened, and I was thinking to myself, holy cow, are they going to give this to the Lucha House Party? Mm. Nah, crazy. But there was a, a moment in time where I was like, man, like, they were looking, they were looking good. They didn't look strong, Lucha House Party. They looked good. Yeah. Agreed. And then there was a moment in time where I think Grandmaster Lee was in the ring with uh, uh, Wesley Blake. No, it was yeah. the other guy. Uh, Steam Cover. Okay. And they're like, oh, uh, Grandmaster Lee uh, uh, gets with him to the ropes. Lindsay Dorado's tagged in. I'm like, no, he's not. He's just getting on top of the apron. He's not holding the little, you know, white cord or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He's not. He, he can get tagged in. And then they whip him back into the ropes again, and that's when they get tagged in. But he's kind of like a quarter of the way in on the apron. I was like, uh, you know what? I'm not going to nitpick too much because whatever, but get your stuff together, WWE. Yeah. Um, excuse, excuse me. Um, but other than that, I, I was... It was for me. It was gearing towards uh, the Forgotten Sons winning the belts, which they, and, which I think they should have. To be honest, I mean, you said it perfectly. Um, you gave a long winded excuse as to why the Forgotten Sons should have won, and then you went New Day. Yeah, but if but if you went Forgotten Sons, like look at the the, the little nuances and, and small things that change and could have been bigger things. You know. Yep. I mean, I, I, I was going to start off the, the podcast with Durant, but, I mean, if you went and chose your pre-show matches and you chose the Forgotten Sons, I mean, you also stated who won the men's money in the bank mm-hmm. on Friday's episode. But then didn't pick it. The first ever Grapple Staffle champion here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and for all intents and purposes, I was right. Like, I, I had, in terms of, like, what I thought was going to happen, I was pretty much on the money. Yeah, yeah. Just the main b- card, you were you, you should have been undefeated. If the forgotten, oh, technically you were well, undefeated. Um, if you chose the, the the actual male winner as opposed to who you went with. Yeah, but whatever. Um, like I'm not gonna. It is what it is. So yes, yeah, I thought the Forgotten Sons should have won. They didn't, but we move on. So our next match is. Um, Another match that was announced on Saturday, MVP versus R-Truth, for reasons unbeknownst to me. Um, Thrill and I actually spoke about this before we hit record. We don't like WWE setting the precipice for one match and then changing it literally the last minute. MVP comes down to the ring. R-Truth and MVP are having a little verbal back and forth. And then Bobby Lashley moves the kids. So I'm like, are they just cramming all the African-Americans into one match? (laughs) 
Bobby comes out, tells MVP, I got this. You, you can take the night off. MVP leaves, and we have ourselves a two-minute match between Bobby Lashley and R-Truth. Mm-hmm. Really upsets me because, I mean, WWE doesn't care, but we have predictions. Cultaholic has predictions. What culture has predictions? Everyone. Anyone so, who does this you know, has predictions. So, your match card matters, especially for our very beautiful Grapple Staples Championship. World class championship belt. So, to change the card or change the match, literally last minute for absolutely no reason other than to squash our truth pointless yeah absolutely pointless for me don't even have the match just have them have a verbal confrontation in the back or just have them beat them up and let it not be a match again have a verbal confrontation in the back Lashley comes out like, hey, uh, MEP, is he bothering you? Yeah, beats him up, boom, that's it. We go from there. Mm-hmm. But they decided to change the match on the fly for no reason, whatever. Lashley wins um, via spear, and that was the second match of the night. Yeah. Um, let's see. So then after that, we had the first of the real matches. From here on in, it's all title matches and the Money in the Bank ladder matches. So, we start with Bailey defending her WWE SmackDown Women's Championship versus Tamina. Of course, Bailey is accompanied by Sasha. Before the match, there's a backstage interview where whoever, like, interviewee robot number one asks if Bailey blames... Charlie, Charlie Caruso. Whatever. Um... Ask Bailey if she blames Sasha for the match on Friday. Uh, no, she asked Sasha if Bailey blames Sasha, which is a weird thing to do. Why would you ask the other person if the other person is blaming them for what happened to the other person? Anyway, so My head just right, just, whatever. So Bailey answers for Sasha. They go down to the ring. They have the match, and. Uh, now, I I went with Tamina. I picked Tamina here. And I knew, she, it's like, deep in my heart, I knew she wasn't going to win. But I had thought up an idea where her winning made sense and would have worked for the storyline. And it, and it worked perfectly. I, 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 I was sold, hook, line, and sinker. But I went with Tamina at Mania, and I wasn't going to be burned. Two pay-per-views in a row. And you were and you were right. And Tamina did not win. Bailey retains. And there's like no issues with Sasha and Bailey because Sasha helps Bailey win the match. I I don't know if they're ever gonna pull the trigger <clears throat> on this this Bailey Sasha thing. It's so annoying because they'll tease tension. One week, and then they're Thick as Thieves the next week. Then they'll tease tension, and then Thick as Thieves. It's like, bro, like, figure it out. Are we going yeah. down the road to this, or are we not? Yeah, it, it is really annoying um, that they're hinting at turmoil between the two, and then they're like, ah, you know what, they're friends. This is the same thing that they did when they weren't, Friend, it was like the the will they won't a frenemies thing. Right. It's annoying. They're just they're they're replaying things from a year and a half ago or two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Except like last time, they had Bailey snap on Sasha, and then they like they reneged on all of it. Yeah. This time, I'm wondering if they're waiting for the crowd to be allowed back in. Because they think they're going to get a crazy loud pop. For Sasha? For whoever it is that ends up turning on the other person. Yeah. I mean, it only makes, Sasha, uh, it only makes sense that Sasha turns face and yeah. then takes the ball off of Bailey. Which is ironic considering 
both of their characters and what they're best suited for. Yeah. Sasha definitely is suited for a heel and Bailey's suited for a baby face. But I mean, for the last year before that, I mean, Bailey was losing the crowd hard. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys who don't lose the crowd, Braun Strowman defending his WWE Blue Universal Championship Thanks against Bray Wyatt. Not the same as many people thought that was going to be. Actually, Bray, Mr. Rogers Wyatt. Yes. <clears throat> now, this match was good in terms of storytelling and... And that's it. Just storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, in ring work, Braun's not the best wrestler in the world. He's he's a big powerhouse, and Bray is a more brave Bray. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the puppet spot. You had which was a good spot for me. You uh, enjoyed Sherman the puppet stuff. The... I'm sorry. You enjoyed the puppet stuff. No, I did not. Oh, okay. I said you had the puppet stuff, which which is all right. What I enjoyed was Bray, um, Braun getting dumped out of the ring, and then Bray getting to his knees and Braun standing up with the black sheep mask, um, comes into the ring, falls in front of him like uh, to his knees. They embrace. He takes the mask off, and Braun power slams. No, he choke slams him and then power slams him for, for the one, two, three to retain the Universal Championship. Um, no, the choke the choke slam was before that. It was just one power slam and that was it. It was just a power slam. Okay, so I'm mixing it up. Mm-hmm. So, Bray, while, while uh, Braun was taking off his mask, like, what are you doing? Like, like, don't do this. Blah, 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 all this other stuff. And it's like, <sighs> even when he's not talking he's telling a story yeah I, I I I would not hesitate to say Ray Wyatt is probably the best storyteller in terms of professional wrestling going today in all of professional wrestling I think so Oh, man, that's a, that's a bold statement. He is top five best talkers for sure. I think in terms of character work, you might be right. In terms of character storytelling and how he uses his character in the ring and on the mic, I agree. But in terms of like just in-ring storytelling, I don't know. I don't know if I can put him up that high. I'm talking about storytelling. Not in-ring, just in-ring storytelling because God knows... Kenny can... That's what I'm saying. I don't know that I can put him up there with Kenny and Kazuchka and... You know. Yeah, no. What I'm talking about is storytelling in general. Where, yeah, these aren't the two, you know, most athletic guys in the world, but mm-hmm. Bray showing a sign, like signs of weakness for him, like, like, look what you're making me do, Braun. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, is all around storytelling. Not just telling a story with your body, but just story progression even as the match goes on. Mm-hmm. I think that Bray Wyatt is the best. Mm-hmm. In-ring storytelling, you're not going to get anything better than uh, Okada Omega. Like, yeah. that That's the gold standard right there. Sure. I, I think I said, I think, I mean, like, okay, yeah, that's, like, that's a fair assessment. Definitely best character work. 100% of yeah. my question. There's no one who does character work like Bray does. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... Braun wins. And at this point... Uh, what are we looking at? I think it was like 2-2 two and two at this point? Or 3-2? Two, 2-3? and two, two and three? For yourself? Yeah. I was 2-3 and three by this point. I was 3-1. and one. Because I had the New Day and I had Braun. So I got those two, and then I had the automatic two automatic L's, and I picked Tamina. So I was two and three by this point. I was sitting pretty at three and one. Not a care in the world. Knew I was going to coast towards <laughs> the end. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> or so you thought. 
Yeah, so you want to get on with the next match guy? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was yours. Shut up. So, next up for the WWE Championship, the the most prestigious belt in all of wrestling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? This is a belt that was held by greats like The Miz and Jinder Mahal. Mm. Goats. Goats. Goats of their time. Goats of their time. Listen, I know that we're not doing a weekly right now and, and, and whatnot, but... Yeah, because the, the the long history of guys that held the WWE Championship, it will always be the top prize in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. But the IWGP Heavyweight Championship is a very close second place. Oh, one hundred, right and you know why? Because they treat it like it matters, like a big deal. Yeah, I, they don't, don't talk. See, they don't. There's not a lot of switches. Say again. You don't see Ryuki Taguchi. Uh, Winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, you're not seeing Toriano getting a, a you know a two day title reign just for the sake of it. Imagine Toriano was champion. Now. <laughs> <laughs> <That'd be> nuts. <laughs> just running around with a rugby ball. <laughs> yeah. You know who I do, but I know we're supposed to be talking about Money in the Bank. But I, I fantasy booking. I want uh, Tomohiro Ishii to win at least one IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Before I die, at least. All right, fair enough. Because he'll live forever. He will. He will. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, no, back back to the, the WWE show, not the New Japan stuff. So we have defending champion Drew McIntyre up against Seth Rollins, who's debuting some awful new music. Oh, the my most God. generic, I sound like my music was done by the same people who made Bailey's music. I get what they're going for. They're trying to go for like that choir esque church know. church-like music. Yeah, I get what they're going for, but man, Snooze City. You know, it's bad enough that you got a writ you got rid of um what's his name? Something Johnston. What was his name? No idea. You're you're more into that. I know CFO. That's it. Yeah, see so Oh, man, who made the... the oh, it's going to eat me alive. Brian um, Cranston. No, shut up. Jinder Mahal. I'm going to hit you. Johnston. Jim Johnston. That was his name. So it's bad enough you get rid of Jim Johnston, who did all the classic stuff from back in the day. The Rock, Stone Cold, Raw, Dudley, like all that stuff. Then you have CFOs. You build a sound with CFOs, and then you get rid of them. And now who's doing your music? Like, some some intern at Full Sail who just discovered GarageBand? Because, man, the the entrance music that they've come out with since CFOs and them parted ways, Cesaro's music, Bailey's music, Seth's new music, boring. Yeah, absolutely boring. Generic, boring, blech. Anyway. Um, so what I noticed, and I didn't mention this earlier, what I noticed that they really did heavy on Friday and really doubled down tonight was the ring mics were at a whole new level. Yeah. And I think that's kind of their way of, of doing something different. I don't, I guess they don't want to do the, the wrestlers in the crowd like AEW is doing. So I guess they figure, okay, we need something. Let's make these ring mics super loud and make sure all of our wrestlers are talking trash 24-7. Yeah. Um, I, I like it and I don't like it. Agreed. 100% same sentiment. I, I like it because it, it also adds to the match, adds mm-hmm. to the story that they're telling. Mm-hmm. Um, when you can hear what they're saying. Um, I don't like it because people like uh, Natalia, who are very vocal on giving cues... Mm. You'll, you'll hear that clear as day. Yeah. I, I like it because, like you said, it adds something. And, like, it's not just a whole bunch of silence with the grunts. But what I don't like about it is that it's, like, the entire match for every match. It's, like, too much. Like, you don't have to 24-7 be talking smack to your opponent, you know? 
Like, uh-huh. if you were in a real fight, I don't think you'd be spending every waking second talking smack. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Um, Seth keeps pushing the whole narrative that he's trying to free Drew McIntyre, trying to absolve Drew McIntyre of the burden that is being the WWE champion, that this is his destiny, it's not meant for Drew, blah, blah, blah. And Drew keeps, like, taunting Seth, like, hey, keep it coming, I'm not afraid, let's fight, you want to fight, let's fight, come on, bring it in. Um, Like, at some point, Seth was outside, and Drew says something along the lines of, like, I could do this all night. Like, come on, what do you got? Yeah. Um, and the match was fine. They gave him about 20 minutes. It was, you know, I thought you could have gotten a little bit better out of Drew and Seth under better circumstances. You know, if yeah. we're in an arena with a crowd and it's, you know, a higher stakes pay-per-view and, you know, if it has the right feel. But for what it was, it was totally fine, totally passable. Uh I was worried yeah, I, that... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, no, finish, I'm sorry. Um, I was a little concerned that Seth might actually pull this out a time or two. They kind of teased a little bit that Drew's, that Seth was going to get off the stomp. But yeah. then, about halfway through the match, Drew starts to no-sell like all of his moves. He starts kicking out at one. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, my issue with the pacing of the pay-per-view, similar to what NXT was, where they, I felt like they were just speeding through the matches. Mm. Uh, although this match was 20 minutes, it didn't feel like 20 minutes. It felt more like 10. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing is you got out of literally, literally all the championships out of the way now to go for the main event with the women's Money in the Bank match and the men's Money in the Bank match. So the 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 mystique or the thrill of, hey, is the champion in danger from the person who won the, the, the money in the bank contract or, or not. Uh, you know? uh, uh, got, okay. I got what you're saying. Yeah. Cause they normally would bookend the matches. Yes. So whoever won, whichever made a bank, whatever, whichever money in the bank match opened the show, you'd have the night to think, are they going to cash in tonight or not? Exactly. So if the woman, if, if the woman or the man went first and, like, oh, are they going to cash in on, on this person? They're going to cash in now. Yeah. That's what happened. Which is what Bailey did, was it last year when she won it? Yes. When she cashed in on Charlotte at the end of the night? Yes. It, it, it just leaves a lot of intrigue. Yeah, no, I hear you. But, I mean, obviously the way they set up this ma- the Money in the Bank ladder matches, they couldn't do that. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially because the... Entire pay per view except for the two Money in the Bank matches were clearly taped at the Performance Center, mm-hmm. and the Money in the Bank matches were at Titan Towers. Right. Speaking of which, let's go straight into the main event because both women's and men's Money in the Bank ladder matches were going on simultaneously. Everyone came out. Um, Except Asuka. The women started uh, their match in the lobby. And the men's match started in the weight room. In the gym, yeah, in the weight room. Um, Asuka was the last person to come out. She didn't come out. Raymond Stereo came out, and then I think that was... Uh, and Otis was the last person to come out. And they're looking around for her like, oh, did she no show, blah, blah, blah. And then you just hear Asuka yelling above them... And does a cross-body dive from the second, uh, was I guess you want to call it the second From the balcony of the second floor, yeah. Onto all the the women, and then runs into the elevator. And this is where I started nitpicking. Hold on, before before we get there, I just want to say how hilarious it was. That after she did the cross-body, she's laying on top of the four women, and she makes zero effort to not like, roll over or kick any of the other women. She just rolls off of them on top of all of them, kicking them as she goes. And I'm just like, ugh, Asuka, you're a treasure. (laughs) Um, Once that happens, uh, the dive happens, and then the men start just, they start brawling, and then they show Asuka running into the elevator. Now, my thing is, 
why not take the elevator all the way up to the like the last floor? Yeah. Get on the ladder, you win the match. But of course, they're trying to sell a story, tell a story here, sure. so it's, it's it's a lot of hijinks and wackiness going on. And <clears throat> I, I, again, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe the women's match, and I will, if you don't mind, going over the men's match oh. portion of the match. Oh boy. Um. Anytime Nia Jax hit anybody, I cringed. Um, anytime Nia Jax hit anybody, Amanda, who is watching uh, Money in the Bank with me, was just like, I fear for anyone who wrestles with Nia Jax because she just she looks so unsafe. And I said, eh, babe, you're not wrong. You had. Uh, a point in time where they're in a conference room, Nia Jax, Carmella, Dana Brooke, and Dana Brooke goes full R-Truth, and you never go full (laughs) R-Truth. She climbs on the table and unhooks a briefcase that is full of money and thinks that she won the money in the bank. And they they cut to a shot of Stephanie who's clearly not in the building and was clearly recorded at, on an iPhone and sent in. Hey, the briefcase is on the roof. That's not the briefcase. And tell Nia Jax to stop drooling on the floor or something like that. And I was just like, boo. Once the women's hygiene started, like, falling to the wayside and I, I hope that you and I meet in the same Paul Heyman spot um, that's where I'll stop right now um, that's where they started to lose me <clears throat> after okay. Dana Brooke un- unclipped their fake money in the bank I was like oh, this is going to be dumb yeah. so on the men's side they start in the gym in the weight room they're brawling. Um, at some point, AJ ends up on the on the the bench press bench, and Otis puts the weights on him to like hold him down. And then Ray takes out the bench out from under AJ, so he's pinned. They start running after each other. At some point, for some reason, they end up in the bathroom, and Bruce Pritchard is there as brother love, and he just finished using the bathroom and he's laughing. It's awkward. Um, they keep fighting through the halls. They get to like this corridor where there's like a tiny pseudo ring and like they start fighting in there. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. And then in the corner, there's like a recliner and from behind it comes out. Um, what's his name? <sighs> Fake Doink the Clown? Frank. Frank the Clown. For those of you who don't know who Frank the Clown is, um, when McFoley had his WWE show, um, Frank the Clown was his daughter Noelle's quote-unquote boyfriend who was, like, front row of every show in uh, in clown makeup and uh, hair. He still is, like, front row of every show. So they had Frank the Clown do his Frank the Clown thing. Like, whatever. Oh, that went completely over my head. I thought they were doing, like, a fake doink the clown thing. That's what I thought when I first saw the hair. But then I saw the makeup and I saw the face and I was like... Oh, that's not Doink, that's Frank. Yeah, I was like, oh, they're going Brother Love. Like, are they going to throw back to 90s wrestling, Doink the Clowns in the 90s? One plus one equals two. You would think. Unless it was supposed to be Doink, and I just, I'm, you know, a mark. Reaching? Yeah. But, um, so then, I'm trying to think... Okay, this is when, before we even get to where we meet up, I'm starting to, like, have questions or hesitations. Because AJ's looking... Reservations. Reservations, thank you. So, AJ Styles is going through the, the halls, going through the corridors, trying to open every door. He's looking for Ray, And he comes across a giant poster of The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33? I want to say. 32, 33. And he's all shook. Oh my God, it's a poster of The Undertaker. I'm like, okay. Then, like, he keeps looking for Ray, keeps looking for Ray, keeps looking for Ray, opens a door, and you hear Undertaker's music. 
It's got all like the bluish purplish lights and smoke and ambiance. And then he starts a having in there. there's a casket in there. He starts having like he starts uh, having flashbacks of uh of the boneyard match like PTSD style. I'm like what what is what is happening? And then I think Alistair Black is the one who shows up and just like throws him in there. And yeah, he kicks him in the face and then throws him in there. Yeah, he kicks him in the he kicks AJ in the face. AJ falls next to the casket and he's like, you know, freaking out. Uh, when Alistair Black closes the door, he's like, no! I was like, alright. Cool. Next, you see Paul Heyman sitting at the catering table. And he looks gross. Like, there's just nothing but food surrounding him. But what's funny is that, like, you have a salad, and then you have french fries. You have a giant, like, chicken or turkey or whatever, and it's like... like, a pasta salad. Yeah, 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 like a whole plate of bread. Like, what are you... (laughs) Amanda's like, that is the driest looking pasta I've ever seen. Fact. Damn Gordon Ramsay, take it easy. And then this is when it went from, like, weird to stupid, in my opinion. Were you going to give it to me? Oh, I thought you were going to give... Okay. They... All of a sudden, you just hear Otis yell, food fight. And they have a food fight. And then, like, Shayna's choking out Rey Mysterio. People are getting... Carmella gets put through the table. By the way, poor Carmella. This girl took all the bumps on this match. She took the picture frame to the head. She went to the powerbomb through a table. She took the 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 brunt of Oscar's um, uh, body. Dana Brooke took the picture frame to the head. Say again. Dana Brooke took the picture frame to the head. You sure it wasn't? No, it wasn't a yeah. Carmella poster, and Carmella got hit with the Carmella poster. No, Carmella hit Dana Brooke with the the Carmella poster. Oh, huh. Okay, I guess I'm remembering that wrong. Either way, I thought Carmella was a champ for the beating she was taking in this match. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I was like, really? We're doing a food fight? This is dumb. Yeah, um that's where it's the the women's match kinda lost me. Mm-hmm. The the food fight thing for me was like the beginning of the end. I was like, ah, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean after that you have Asuka and Nia Jax make their way to the roof where the ring is actually at in briefcases. And I'm sitting here like, please, dear God, don't let Nia Jax win. <clears throat> I, I, I don't remember. I think Lacey Evans followed after that. Before we even get us, I, I continue with that. There was a, a, a moment in time where Carmella left the that big conference room where she put the, the, the frame through Dana Brooks' head. And Lacey Evans punched Carmella in the throat mm. with the woman's right. Mm-hmm. So much so that Amanda and I were just like, whoa, like, damn, she just punched her in the throat. Yeah. But then <clears throat> after that, I, I think it was just Lacey, Asuka, Nia Jax on the roof. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think you're right. Um, there was no Shayna Baszler on the roof, no Carmella on the roof. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't remember seeing Carmella on the roof at all. Yeah, I don't remember seeing her or not or um, um, Shayna Baszler on the roof. Mm-hmm. So. I'm sitting here like, oh, and Dana Brooke. I don't remember seeing Dana Brooke either. Well, Dana Brooke, I'm, I'm guessing the story with Dana was that she got wiped out not too long after the uh, the food fight when, like, there was a janitor mopping and she oh, yeah, slipped she and hit her head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there was just three women left. And I'm like, man, my odds aren't looking good right now. If anybody wins, it's going to be Asuka, who, is, who starts climbing the ladder. And what confused me was uh, Baron Corbin, who met her at the top. 
Yeah. And they're like arguing with each other. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, hmm, you guys can just grab your briefcase and then win. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't get that either. I, yeah, what I what I actually uh, told Amanda when Nia Jax cleared the ring was, what if Nia Jax climbs the ladder and looks at the women's briefcase and grabs and the men's? Nah, and then grabs the men's briefcase. Because hmm. they're they were already hinting at it, you know, at WrestleMania like, at the a couple yeah a couple years ago when. She was taking on the men, and she was eliminating the men. Yeah. Like, hmm, maybe they do that. But I was like... Yeah, but then you force one of the men to grab the women's briefcase. Not necessarily. What, a different woman grabs the women's? I say, I don't need to be a woman's champion when I can be the world champion. And A different woman grabs the women's briefcase? Huh? And then a different woman grabs the, the women's briefcase? Yeah, you have two women winning money in the bank. Who cares? Hmm, interesting. We'll see what happens next year. It would have been a lot more interesting than who won the men's ladder match. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Once you're done, because remember, you're doing the the women's side, I'm doing the men's side. So once you're done, I'll get there. So after Asuka hits Baron Corbin down, she unhooks the female uh, women's briefcase, and Asuka is the 2020... Mrs. Money, Miss Money in the Bank. Yep. So that was a W for me, and a loss for everyone else except Alan. <laughs> so after the food fight, uh, we immediately go to Otis going into an empty kitchen, and Johnny Ace is there for some reason. No, he's John Laurinaitis. Oh, come on, it's the same guy. No, it's not. Stop it. You're telling me that Johnny Ace is not John Laurinaitis. No, John Laurinaitis is John Laurinaitis. John Ace was a wrestler. It's the same guy, guy. It's the same person. No, it's the same person playing the guy. You don't say um, Robert De Niro, um, Al Pacino. We're not talking about actors. We're talking about wrestlers. We had this conversation on Friday. It's the same same concept, man. We had this argument on Friday. John Laurinaitis is playing Johnny Ace and John Laurinaitis. Oh my Jiminy Cricket! Anyway, Otis hits Papa Shango and The Godfather. Yeah, but you don't call him Charles Wright either. You'd be like, "Oh, look, there's The Godfather." Yeah, but his name on when he was the general manager on SmackDown, well, whichever one was John Laurinaitis. So, so I'm right, you dumb dumb. No. Just because that was his last incarnation doesn't mean anything. When Mick Foley comes out, we call him whatever the hell he wants because he was four different people. He's also schizophrenic, so that's what we call him. Oh my God, shut up. Anyway, let's move on. John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, the same person, gets hit with a, with a pie by Otis. Um, somehow AJ and uh, Daniel Bryan end up in a fight in the middle of, of Mr. McMahon's office, and Mr. McMahon's just there. Um... What else happens on the men's side? Um, nothing really much entertaining else after other than that. When they get up to the roof, uh, Baron Corbin kills Rey Mysterio because he throws him uh, off the roof. Yeah, yeah. Baron Corbin uh, is a murderer. Lo- losing money in the bank is the least of your concerns, buddy. Yeah, murdering a- <laughs> both Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio. It's it's like that scene in in uh, in Anchorman. When they're like, Brick killed a guy. It's like, Baron threw a guy off the roof. Yeah, Baron, I've been wanting to talk to you about that. You might want to lay low, because you're probably wanted for murder. (laughs) So, (laughs) at the end of it, we have AJ and Baron up at the top. They're jostling for for the briefcase. AJ unclips the briefcase. So, AJ has it in his possession. But, Baron is holding on to the handle of the briefcase along with AJ. So... For whatever reason, we're still having this match. Because they haven't decided who won it because they're both holding on to the briefcase. Elias comes out of nowhere and hits uh, Baron Corbin in the back with the with the, uh, with the the guitar. What's that called? So then Baron goes, f- like, he falls backwards. 
As he falls backwards, apparently AJ, who had a perfect grip before, now fumbles the briefcase and it falls in the hands of Mother Bleeping Otis. And I say Mother Bleeping Otis because I called it. I said it. I said it. I was like, watch. Otis is going to win this thing. And then I said, screw it. I'm going to go with AJ anyway, but Otis is going to win. And yeah, Otis won. And Otis, Otis won. Why? Why? Why, Shades? Why do I do this? If I know he's going to win, why didn't I just pick him? You sound like me every time I pick. Oh, my God. I said it. I said it. Otis is going to win. I'm going to pick AJ, but I know Otis is going to win. So then why wouldn't I pick Otis? <sighs> dumb. I'm dumb. Anyway, Otis wins Money in the Bank, so Otis is now Mr. Money in the Bank. He has Mandy. He has Money in the Bank. He has a speech impediment. He's got it all. This leads to the cluster F that is the end of Money in the Bank 2020 and a three-way tie for the Grapple to Apples World Championship between myself, who was 6-3, Tommy Boy, oh, it was basically the Prophet Shades and the Suburban Boys. Hugo and Tommy, both six and three, myself six and three, because if you notice when we did the predictions on Facebook.com slash grapple the apple, that's grapple the number two apples. Some of you guys that are commenting on this didn't listen to Friday's episode could have benefited greatly mm-hmm. from the new rule that Thrill and I have implemented with the lock of the night, giving you an extra point yep, yep. on that win. Mm-hmm. Tommy, he utilized that lock of the night. The big oog dog. Did not. Utilize that. No, he did. Oh, he did. He did. He, he utilized it for the Braun Strowman match. Ah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. He did. Thrill and I utilized it for the Drew McIntyre match. So that's why people are ending, you know, five and three or, you know, four and four, so on and so forth. And we have nine points as opposed to eight. But if AJ one one. Amanda pointed out to me, why is AJ still wearing the OC shirt? He's the only member left. Because they haven't given him new merch yet. Second, if AJ freaking Styles would have just held on to the belt for a second longer, the Prophet Shades would be the first ever Raffles to Apples champion. The robbery. I have been forced to endure this Mother's Day. By the way, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Word, word. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. Is, is no other word that I can describe but absolute disgust. That you will rob such a saint that I am. Like, I, I, I give to the children. I donate. <laughs> I, vo- I do volunteer work. And for the world to just basically slap me in the face and take away two precious points that I needed to solidify my win. As you... And I, I'm going to... De- not I'm going to debate this to the day I die. I am the rightful Grapples to Apples champion. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. You've said, you've said it, and I've said it. AJ unhooked that briefcase. AJ is 
should be Mr. Money in the Bank. I agree. He should have. AJ should have won the match. But that's not who WWE recognizes as winner of the match. I'm sorry, bro. If it comes out on Monday Night Raw that AJ is awarded Money in the Bank, I will graciously accept <laughs> you know what's so funny is like you're you're upset because you got robbed by WWE's inconsistency, right? Their nonsense, Absolutely. their their ridiculousness. I did it to myself. Had I not been dumb and lazy and picked Jeff and someone for the MVP R Truth match, because I was gonna pick Jeff. Jeff puts me in the tie with you guys, and if I had picked Otis, like I knew. I would have won. I mean, and if you if you would have won Bailey as opposed to Tamina, you're you're winning this running away. Yeah, but like the Tamina the Tamina one, I'll stick by because I thought of a storyline that made sense to me. I was like, you know, this is a gamble, but they can work this and it would work. So I'll stick by Tamina. I'll stick by Tamina. But I was I didn't think to make predictions for the Jeff Hardy match, and then. Knowing Otis was gonna win, I still picked AJ. So I shot myself in the foot. So I can't even like you have you can be mad at WWE. I have no one to be mad at but myself. I should be the champion. Should have been me. Yes, but your laziness and procrastination <laughs> has cost you again. I know, <laughs> as it has I, so many times. I was. I did my due diligence. I did my 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 research. I have I spent up countless hours <laughs> to choose and and dissect the matched card and I broke it down perfectly. Break it down to get robbed at the end by that donut, Otis. <laughs> just, I just wanted to go to Matt's house and just beat his face in. <laughs> Mr. Money in the Bank is a sack of potatoes with the speech impediment. Anyway, let's let's do what we do here on the show. For every pay per view that we reca- that we recap and review, we like to give a match of the night as well as giving an all around grade for the show. So let's start with our match of the night. Shades, would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? Um. Am I going first? Go ahead. So, in terms of match quality, if we're looking at which was a good match, Seth versus Drew obviously was the best wrestled match. If we're talking pure entertainment, you have to go both Money in the Bank matches. But I'm going to actually settle on Braun versus Gray as oh. my match of the night because I was actually entertained with that. Interesting. Okay. I. Oh man, this is tough. I feel like all the matches kind of pretty much sat on the same plane. Yeah. Uh... And no one did anything earth shattering, you know, yeah. except you know Baron killing two guys. <laughs> like he's a murderer. No one did. Yeah. He's a straight up murderer. I love how Vince thinks death is okay. Yeah, let's just kill people. It's fine. Um. Oh, by the way, come on, guys. Clearly, you know WWE is not trying to erase Roman. We saw the big Roman poster in the hallways. Yeah, I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I was just like, man, they're trying to erase him. I don't care. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I'll give it to Drew versus Seth. Just cause, Good pick. yeah, Good pick. yeah. All right, and so now let's. So, some people have a star rating, like Mr. Meltzer. Some people do number ratings. We here at Grapples, Grapples to Apples, when we rate our pay per views, we do it on a toe pay system. Zero toe pays. If this is the worst thing that's ever happened to the history of professional wrestling, <clears throat> Victory Road. Um. And then five topes if this is God's gift to wrestling. Dominion 6-9. So, Shades, where would you put WWE Money in the Bank 2020? 
Okay, so um, as we usually do, we start off at a 2.5. Mm-hmm. You need to go up or you go down from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to take pre-show into this? Sure. It stays at a 2.5. Jeff and Cesaro did nothing groundbreaking. Um, the tag team match, a couple false finishes. I mean, uh, on the edge of my seat a little bit. Uh, I'd say it goes up to 2.7, 2.75. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the swerve with the MB- MVP, our truth match, <laughs> excuse me, um, brings it down to 2.5 again. Yep. Uh, Bailey Tamina stays at a 2.5. Braun and Bray bring it to a 2.75. Now, I get stuck here because I'm like, did, did Drew and Seth do enough to bring it to a 3? Or did it just stay at a 2.75? And I'm going to say, although it was an okay match, it still stays at a 2.75. Okay. The Money in the Bank matches, entertaining as hell, goes up to a 3. Oscar winning stays at a 3. Otis drops it to a 2.5. <laughs> and I only say Otis drops it to a 2.5 because there's no way on God's green earth they're giving Otis from heavy machinery is in a tag team still. Poor, poor Tucker. Poor big brother Tucker, exactly. Um, there's no way he's beating Braun. There's no way he's beating Drew. So you basically turn the this year's male Money in the Bank briefcase into a joke. Even though 2020 is already a joke. Isn't this so befitting of 2020, though? Yeah. Um, so, where do you land? 2.5? 2.5. Right down the middle. Okay. Okay. Um, I was with you in the entire way. Like, all your train of thoughts, your ups and your downs, I was totally with you. Except, uh-huh. I did not enjoy the Money in the Bank ladder matches at all. I thought they went from, like, meh to stupid. Um, And so, like, for me... Before I even go down... Like, before you started doing the breakdown, I was Uh sitting at 2. I was like, this is getting a 2.0. Go out get Uh out of my face. But let's see the breakdown. Um... I don't know that I can give it a 2.5, although it was a very average show, so in theory it should be a 2.5. Yeah, but I really didn't like the ladder matches. I didn't like. I don't like Otis winning. So I, I'll go. I'll go two point two five. I was like two two five. Yeah, I'll go two two five. I can't give it the two point five. I can't give it the two. I'll go two two five. Two and a quarter topes. I agree with your 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 sentiment. Like that's it's not a uh, it's not a bad rating. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue is the same thing that you know you said. It's, it, this pay per view did nothing to really stand out. Correct. So I, I can't go higher than a two point five. Yep. Um, but I didn't say. To myself, man, when is this going to be over? You know, I, I was This is true. This is true. So that's why I was like, you know what? Although there were some cringy moments, I, I thought that the for me, up until you had the winners of the Money in the Bank match, that match was sort of entertaining. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, how is it? How often is it that you see? two professional wrestlers get murdered by another professional wrestler. <laughs> so. Well, with WWE, it's not exactly super uncommon. What happened? I said, with WWE, it's not the most uncommon thing in the world. No. We've seen Undertaker murder no. Paul Bearer. No. He, he killed AJ and AJ came back to life. Yeah, we've seen that too. Yeah, I mean, 
Carl Anderson and Lou Gallows gathered the Dragon Balls in Japan to resurrect AJ for what reason? Just to lose money in the bank? Dumb. I hate it here. in Japan. <laughs> the Dragon Balls. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for our recap and review of WWE Money in the Bank 2020. It was something. As we mentioned before, because of the three-way tie, there will be no crowning of the inaugural uh, Grapples to Apples World Champion. It will remain on the shoulders and around the waist of Vacant. We are hoping that we can crown a first-time champion at AEW's Double or Nothing later on this month. But, until then, you've been listening to us on SoundCloud.com slash Grapples Apples. That's Grapples the number two apples. If you don't like SoundCloud, you got Google Play Music, you got Apple Podcasts, it doesn't matter where you're listening, as long as you're listening. Don't forget to check us out on our social media pages. That's Facebook.com and Twitter.com slash Grapples the Apples. That's Grapples the number two apples. Like, comment, share, subscribe, do whatever it is you got to do to put us in as many eyes and ears as humanly possible as we would appreciate it. As always, I've been one of your hosts, Ill Will the Thrill, the Poetarian, Shakespeare Candidate, Major English, whatever you need me to be, that's who I be, because maybe that's who I is, joined remotely by... The man of the hour, man with the power, first grapples to apples champion. False. Don't care with anybody else. False. Cream of the crop right to the top. Your boy. The first ever Grapple Apple champion. False. Shades. Don't forget to check us out this upcoming week for our regular weekly episode. Don't forget, you can always backtrack and listen to our old episodes. And don't forget, also, you get the three things to not forget. Check us out next week and every other week. Because an apple a day keeps a bad wrestling away. Peace. Peace